is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! It's the MVSP Season 4 Episode 28 folks happy new year for us it is 2023 a little bit before us right now we are recording this episode in 2022 but we wanted to make sure we had content for you guys all throughout the break so happy 2023 to you happy new year brandon it's going to be a good time it is going to be a good time thank you all for a great new year ahead of time and it certainly has been great for us i mean we mentioned with our spotify wrapped how much you guys have blessed us in viewership and streams and just everything was so much so much better this year. And Whole I want to grow, man. Yeah, we grew everywhere. We're in the new digs, as we mentioned there, just getting in here for December. And it's been fantastic. The only three weeks we've been in here and hopefully it'll be even much more. So it's really been a wild ride and a wild ride of fair state athletics all around, Joe. I mean, we had so many good playoff teams, a lot of big time plays made by a lot of big time players and big time games. Uh, just re- referencing, of course, that last episode we had. But uh, no, I mean, getting two teams to the national semifinals, one a national champion, as well as postseason appearances for all four. I mean, just absolutely incredible stuff. It's just what you like to see, especially for us working for athletics. It was a blast. This episode for you guys is going to be more of a preseason, would you say? A yearly like preview for what we can see in 2023. Yeah. A lot of the winter teams have already gotten going, especially with hockey and basketball, but now with the break, they're kind of past that, and now they're getting into the regular season play for a lot of them, as well as when it really comes down to it, the later half of the season for conference schedules uh, is really when you want to buckle, buckle down and really get going. So that's what we're going to be talking about right now is uh, hockey, basketball, a lot of the winter sports uh, in general. Yeah, absolutely. We'll start on the men's hardwood here with men's basketball. Uh, The team obviously started up there uh, in August when they were traveling over to Ontario. That was kind of the unofficial start of the season there before school started. Um, But really, the season has started heating up in November, um, especially with their first couple games in their tournament play over uh, in Tennessee, as well as South Dakota, um, really where that season started overall. And since really then, we've seen uh, some ups and downs so far. We're right now sitting at eight and four overall for this team uh six and oh one and three on the road we got to get a little bit better in opposing gyms so far but uh really just the kind of the the preseason kind of postseason preview is what i kind of see this kind of being as not necessarily saying postseason but like where we are at for the second half of the season Uh, but we really haven't got that far yet so there's still a lot to preview coming up uh, for the rest of the slate as it's really going to go all the way up until March here for basketball with the GLIAC tournament. But uh, I think when you look here uh, so far, what this team has brought, I think Coach Bronco's squad obviously has brought a lot of versatility shooting the basketball. We've seen it already this year. Uh, ben Davidson, Ethan Erickson, certified snipers. Those guys <laughs> can absolutely hit it from 30 foot and in, I mean, they're just absolutely incredible shooters that they've shown us so far. And a lot of the other guys have really proved their ability to score as well. I mean, Solomon Oregbo has been really a good guy for getting all those isolation buckets, and he's really transitioned to his role as a transfer nicely. I mean, we've seen Delapolinka, who's really, uh, he's still right now on the injury cusp, but hopefully he'll be back soon. But we saw what he can do when he's on the floor. He's a big imposing threat uh, inside and out as well, as he can shoot the rock a little bit for being more, uh, of a bigger uh, stretch four type player. Uh, but then obviously you got all these guys that have been there 
and through the thick and thin as well with Reese Hazleton, Jimmy Scholler, Vaez Grizzulis, those role players that you definitely need throughout this team. And we've seen the success so far from those teams individually, Joe. Uh, but right now, I think with the team aspect, it's really just the consistency that really needs to get ironed out for this team moving forward. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that, especially with this year coming up. I mean, over the break, you know, you had Fanshawe, Lewis, Grace Christian, that type of those type of teams coming to town. But especially with Lake State, Purdue Northwestern, Wisconsin, Parkside, I think this is going to be a really solid test uh, for how we can really come off this break against some teams that were kind of filler to be able to kind of really just keep the skills honed a little bit. But like you said, in the first part of the year, it was a little bit struggling with kind of making sure that the three ball was falling. I mean, turnovers had to get cleaned up a little bit. But once we just get more consistent, there's really no team that can beat us. I mean, yeah, you got Northern Michigan, who uh, is a really solid team. You got Michigan Tech, who uh, gave us a fit earlier. But I think really when you see uh, this kind of season turnaround, especially getting into later parts of GLIAC play, and as well as kind of getting ready for March and, spe- and March Madness and kind of stuff like that with conference tournaments, you're going to see us really pick it up. And a lot of these teams that uh, I think are that have given us fits and a little bit of trouble, we're going to be playing them at Wake, so we're going to get that revenge time, as well as giving some really good uh, tests on the road. I mean, Saginaw Valley State's a really good team uh, at home. Wayne State as well. It's kind of given us a little bit of struggle last year, uh, but I think especially when you look at where we're going to be able to go this season, you're going to see some really solid play from Ethan Erickson, Ben Davidson. I think you're really going to see when uh, Delapo comes back, he's going to really be able to pick it up. And that conference uh, that conference record of 2-2, two and two, I think it's going to really, really play uh, a lot better. It's just a shooting and opposing gyms and kind of just cleaning up the game as a whole when we're on the road. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, shooting and opposing gyms, Joe. I looked up here. We're shooting, believe it or not, 50.6% from three-point range at home this season as opposed to 38 on the road. 38 on the road is not bad, but that just shows you how much we've been able to light it up uh, in Wink. It's really been Wink Water Park so far, Splashtown USA so far from three-point range. Um, And we've definitely done a great job of really imposing our will at home. I mean, we have right now played our best basketball at home this season. And obviously the record can certainly show it right now is we're unblemished through six games. So you have all of that ability to play at home. How can you translate it to the road? That's the biggest thing with this team to become a legitimate contender because all these, all these home wins are great. But obviously if you want to be that postseason team, you want to get back to uh, that type of Sioux Falls mentality back in 18 and be able to get that national championship you got to be able to play in opposing gyms and you got to be able to play in those biggest games on neutral sites. And and that's certainly going to be an emphasis, I'm sure, moving forward so far because they've really played their best basketball at home away is really just where we got to find the translation. Um, But so far through the season, I mean, you kind of look at uh, comparing to wins and losses, some of the biggest differences and really the biggest one that shows out in wins and losses so far is the assist to turnover ratio is definitely the number one category when it comes to this. I mean, as far as overall efficiency as well, net efficiency has been in the negative so far, 0.059 net efficiency. That's offense and defense um, put together uh, so far in losses as opposed to 0.377 in the positive range in wins. That just shows you how much better we've been uh, in efficiency so far. But assist and turnovers, we're averaging 24.1 assists to 13.1 turnovers so far this season at, in our, the games that we have won. In games we have lost, it's been 8.8 assists to 17 and a half turnovers. That just kind of shows you when we're moving the ball around and moving it around cleanly, 
That is what has set us up in these a lot of these big games when we're able to get the ball around to our shooting crew outside on the wings, in the corners, be able to get those kickouts going, especially in the home game so far. But being able to really have that ability to control the basketball, control the tempo, control the pace, and play your kind of a game has been one of the biggest parts so far uh, for what this team has done successfully. And I think that's really a highlighted emphasis. I think we've done a pretty solid job of rebounding the basketball so far. I think Vayas and Reese uh, as well as Nathan Clarabout when he was down. Uh, obviously, he's kind of on the limb right now with an injury, but when he comes back, he'll be a really positive force for us on the boards as well. So I think we've done a great job of that, and even the guards as well. I mean, Jimmy Scholler, all those guys have been able to crash boards as well uh, as be just really physical defensively. I think we've seen a lot of great job getting in under under opponent's skin, especially when they're bringing the ball up the floor, poking some turnovers away and getting some fast break points. That's obviously going to be crucial when you're playing some of those tough teams. You're going to need every point you can get. Uh, but I think right now what you're sitting at here, Joe, is I don't think it's necessarily as much as what the opponents are doing, almost as much as what we're doing for ourselves. We play cleaner and we move the ball around and play our game set up perfect pace, high energy, flying high and hitting threes. I mean, we're, we can show we can beat anybody that I think is a fact. Yeah. And I think when, like you said, when we get moving and stuff like that, and when we control the tempo, you see a lot of clean basketball. I mean, especially when we get the ball in transition, you see a lot of passes back and forth. You don't see a lot of dribbles and you see a lot of very solid cuts that are able to basically open up the floor a lot. I mean, you see when Ethan Erickson gets it at the wing, you have a lot of, you have one, two guys closing in on him. That leaves Ben Davidson on the back, on the floor. Why don't we see that a couple of times? He'll dish that yeah. down the, the five spot on the other team will kind of close in on Ben and they'll just leave Vayas or Nathan easy for a wide open layup. So I think when you look at that, we just need to kind of really work on controlling the tempo and opposing gyms is going to be the big thing. And then when you have that happen where you really don't feel uh, too uncomfortable on the road and you're able to one, knock down threes two, keep the ball moving wherever you want it to be. And three, just making it so way that way that the home defenses can really just make it can just really start moving around at your control. I think that's really when we're going to really see a lot of good stuff. And the best thing too, like I said before, we got Michigan tech and Northern Michigan at home. And then we're going to play Lake state. And I think Wayne state at their place. So it's going to be two very solid tests. And I think that's what we're going to be able to see is very solid play uh, on both sides of the ball. And just making sure that when we come off the buses at opposing a stadium, we just keep it rolling like we are just that wink. Yeah, absolutely. It's really when we come back here from break, obviously um, the guys will finish out with uh, Fanshawe as well as Lewis um, at home to round out the new year on Thursday, the 29th and the 31st, um, as well as Grace Christian. We'll be sure to get those back in week one of the semester on next week's show, which you might have to make sure you subscribe to the MBSP if you haven't already um, so you can get a piece of, uh, of repeating content from us uh, each and every week. So we'll break down all those games going into Lake State, which will be the first game we start with and then we'll get Purdue and uh, Wisconsin um, to for that opening weekend uh, following once we get back from school. Um, but yeah, I think you're I think you're absolutely right, John. I think really when it comes down to it, uh, I think the guard play has certainly been prominent so far and down low has been has been very good as well. Uh, but really that, that camaraderie to be able to use that two dimensional offense is certainly uh, a major, major key with this team, uh, being able to move it inside out. And I think stretch the stretch out the offense overall, uh, I think is just such a crucial piece because when you look at all these players, you can only play as well in five on five as the guy next to you, right? Mm-hmm. Even though if one guy scoring 40 points, I mean, obviously Max Jorglin's probably the primary example from Northern Obviously, your team's going to do pretty solid because you're still putting up more points than opponents some games. But when when that comes to 
the foundational pieces that you need within the process to be able to win these games down the road. I think that's where there's a lot of struggles with some of these other teams. I think that's where we shine the most is, oh, you want to try to take out Ethan Erickson from the three-point line? Fine. You're going to give Ben Davidson a wide-open three-point shot. Oh, you're going to leave. You're going to double-cover those guys? Okay. You're going to leave some of these guys one-on-one in iso ball situations like Dang Rang, Michael Bingham that can burst by and make a play. Like, you're going to have to give these guys... Uh, you're going to have to be able to cover all of them or you're going to be in trouble, really. And I know a lot of teams can say that about themselves and probably bring up all the positives in that sort of manner. But I think what it really comes down to uh, with this team overall is I think the depth is certainly much more improved um, than we were anticipate from last year. I mean, we lost a lot of guys last year. I mean, we lost DA. We also lost uh, Walt Kelser. We lost a couple other guys as well. So you look at a lot of these teams and you're like, oh man, are they going to be able to kind of get up to that mold? I think they can with the depth they have. They have a lot of good young players. They got a couple of transfers to fill those holes with Delapo and Solomon. So you can have those guys come right in. They already have the GLIAC experience. Um, so I think that you really brings a lot of them. They bring a lot of size as well in this lineup. We got a lot of guys that are measuring above 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, range, as well as Nathan Clarabelt, the exception with that seven foot. Oh, uh, definitely going to bring a presence when he's back on the floor soon with Bayes also being 6'10 as well. Uh, we got a lot of guys that are pretty big. We have Owen Hardy as well, who's a freshman um, that we may see playing this year. Might be his red shirt year. We saw him early in the exhibitions. He's 6'9". He can move too. So uh, I think you got it. But it doesn't matter with size. And I think Amari Lee kind of speaks that as well. He's only six foot tall, but a man plays like he's six foot five. And that's the same with Ethan Erickson too. Those guys might be shorter and they might be, they might be covered a little bit in height by the guys that are guarding across them, but they're not scared. And I think this team is really when it comes down to it, they are not scared of anybody. They've been there before. They know the expectations and they're embracing that, right? It's mm-hmm. not necessarily you want to like, I think the, the Rex Ryan quote, I don't remember if you, if you guys have seen from like Sunday night or I think it's like Sunday night football or whatever. Um, like you're the, the best places to, to play when there's no expectations or whatever. It's like, no, no, no. The best way to play is when the expectations are high. That's where you put that, maybe not self-pressure on yourself, but it gives you that sense of confidence because, I mean, we've seen it throughout the last couple of years. I mean, this team has shown that they can win games and it doesn't matter what personnel they have because we've lost guys for periods of time for injury. But when they run their system, when they're able to work inside out defensively, make turnovers, make plays, get the energy up, that's fair state basketball that we're accustomed to seeing and that wins all these games and championships and all this sort of thing. And the best part about it, too, is I think the main difference when you look at where we're able to be at for just between one uh, home games and two away games, when we're pregame, we're throwing down dunks. We're getting the crowd into it, especially when football shows up, especially when other sports show up to the games. You got guys that are, you know, throwing down 360. You got Dang going between legs. You got guys who are really getting the crowd into it. And right from the jump, you got a high, high energy crowd. And to be able to just keep that going is one of the main reasons why I think we've just been able to be so good. But then when it gets to the point where we're on the road, we're still having the high energy ourselves, but it's just the reaction is just a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? So I think when you really got to look at just the two uh, spots right there, with just between home and away, it's just keeping the energy up uh, just with us. I mean, we have good traveling fans, but 
but as a team, it's making sure that you can go into hostile environments like, uh, you know, Northern Grand Valley, all those different places in the GLIAC, and just making sure right from the jump, you're ready to go, you're ready to rip, and you're going to keep the energy up all through. We got guys who are there. I mean, uh, what is it? Solomon is up and at it. Uh, Delapo is on the bench. He's chirping guys from the from the bench and making sure everybody knows he's there. And you got guys that are celebrating after every big bucket, every big dunk. But the coolest thing about it, too, is when we're able to get movement on the ball, we get some of those electric plays. You get the alley-oops. You get those where you get the breakaway dunks. You get the ones where you, you might cross a guy up and then drain a three in his face like Ben Davidson has done, like Ethan Erickson has done. You get those electric plays going, and you're able to play fair state basketball. Nobody's going to be able to beat us because once we get the energy on our side, don't be don't be surprised if we go on like a 15-20-0 run. We did that against Grand Valley. We did that against uh, – who else was it? We did that against Davenport. We did that against – Ashland, Great Lake Christian. We did that against a lot of teams who have been perennially good. I mean, Ashland's been in the playoffs last year. Northern State, three years ago, was in the national championship game against us. We were able to beat them. I mean, we lost to Southwest Baptist and Trevecca Nazarene. We had those three losses in a row earlier in the year, but we still were able to see glimpses of a team that could go on runs. And it's just making sure that we can keep those going and keeping the energy up from start to finish is going to be a big thing. And the biggest thing, too, about that is making sure you can keep that energy up on away games as well. Absolutely. I love that fact because it's hard to do that in opposing gyms. It's really hard in, in another person's environment uh, to really create that own energy. Obviously at home, it, it's your home away from home, right? The The floor is where you spend a majority of your time. So what are you going to do in that situation uh, is definitely going to be interesting. And I think that's really, if we can figure that out, Joe, I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing for this team moving yes, forward. So, uh, but overall, I mean, so far we have relied a lot on the three point shot because we have good three point shooters. So I think that's certainly not necessarily as total of a concern. It's definitely that margin being able to control the ball, control the ball, yeah, assists, not turnovers, uh, I think is really going to be the biggest thing. We haven't been really bad with fouls or anything as of yet, uh, but I think that's definitely going to uh, definitely increase as m more tougher games come up and we play a lot more physical teams so Absolutely. far. Uh, I think that we'll definitely see uh, definitely a different kind of basketball later on. So uh, transitioning now over, we go over to women's basketball. They've had an excellent start to the campaign so far. Eight and two overall, three and one at home, five and one on the road, Joe. They have figured out how to bring that energy in opposing gyms and I think it certainly uh, I think it really started there with that Grand Valley loss even though that was a home game I think it really kind of gave a spark to this team like yeah we got to go get this team they're our number one team in the country we played them for three and a half quarters uh, where I should say more like three quarters take that first quarter out and we beat that team and I think that's that's something that you can bring as a positive uh, especially when you look at it. And then obviously down the road, you got teams like Davenport, uh, Northern Michigan Tech, uh, as well as Walsh. Those are really solid teams as well. Michigan Tech, we ended up falling to at Houghton, which is a tough place to play at SDC. Uh, so I think when you look at those games, you learned a lot from it. Obviously, the first loss is the one that sings the most. Uh, but I think they're going to be ready. I think obviously they're going to be traveling as well. They already took the trip to Walsh uh, on December 19th. They're going to be going to Ursuline on the 29th, and they'll be back home against Indianapolis uh, on Saturday the 31st, as well as playing Lewis once again on January 4th. So we'll recap that as well uh, when we get to that new episode. Also, if you guys haven't subscribed on YouTube, make sure you do what are you so. Doing? Because there's some great banger content 
content that'll be produced uh, this next upcoming year. Me and Joe have some great plans, even an audio stream as well as a video what? stream. Oh my gosh. Dude, what is going on, on so, in the MVSP right now? So yeah, those talks have progressed and there have been some ideas put into yes, place. Sir. So uh, we have figured out some ideas what to do with that and we can get you uh, all the video and content you have. But anyway, back to women's basketball. I think when you look at this team, uh, really similar to the the guys, a lot of really talented guard play, a lot of great shooters, and obviously a lot to to contribute in the front court as well. I think what makes these two teams a little bit differently uh, is I think with overall when you see um, the flexibility uh, of the women's roster, I think it really kind of, you're able to fill a lot of those holes in that that mid-range area, I think, because uh, I think when you look at uh, a lot of players that can hit the three-point shot uh, right now, as we have, like, obviously, Mallory McCartney, who's been seen there, been there, done it. 1,000 points, also, too. shout-out to 1,000 points. Thank you, Joe, uh, for her as well. Then you bring in Kenzie Bowers, L. Irwin as well. Uh, Caden Blanchard, we know they can shoot the rock. She'll unfortunately be out for this season as well uh, as Maya Hiram, but we know what they can do and they can contribute as well. But I think what you see is they're starting to develop a little bit of a transition game as well. And I think that kind of comes inside and they're having ability to shoot uh, inside the three-point line and outside the three-point line. I think that's something we kind of missed a little bit uh, of more inconsistency definitely during the COVID year. It got better, but I think this year it's definitely going to put it together as far as just the mid-range and all-around shooting is going to increase. Um so I think you have that. You have the inside-out play definitely down low uh, with, obviously, Chloe Idoni's had a really good campaign so far. Then, obviously, you have uh, you have Mago Nabagua as well as Ariel Jenkins that can put together some quality minutes there as well. Um, so they're going to really have a great job to to really kind of rotate in. And then, obviously, you have some of those key contributors off the bench as well. Grace Sullivan's turned into a really nice sixth uh, six player for us off the bench as well. Uh, is Joe Hula as well. She can shoot the rock. We saw that in a couple of games against Grace Christian. Uh, as well as Mia Riley, Emma Shire Beak, Allie Schultz. When they come on the floor, they're going to bring a lot of energy. Um, so I think you have a lot of those positive plays, and I think you can definitely bring that and stretch that outside of offensive and defensive sets. I think that defensively, this team's got even better as well. They're able to really do a great job of forcing turnovers that we've seen so far. They've done much better with communication and really slowing a lot of these teams down. I think that the defense is going to be a lot more consistent now. If their offense is going to catch up with them consistently with that defensive consistent effort, they're going to be a really solid ball club this year. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, and too, you look at where we're going to be able to go after the break. Uh, I mean, especially playing Indianapolis, Ursuline, uh, some of these teams who are pretty good at kind of in the region who we might honestly see uh, later on, especially in the postseason, uh, all being especially with March Madness and stuff like that. But when you look at our first half of the season and what we were able to do against some of these good teams and against the teams that we were uh, slated to beat, we played really well. I mean, aside from the Grand Valley loss and the Michigan Tech loss, those were just two games where we started off pretty slow. You know, and most of the time we've come off the bench and or come off the start of the game and just played lights out throughout the whole way. And But, I mean, if you look at the Michigan Tech game, Started out really slow. I mean, we had two quarter, three quarters where we went eight, 13, eight, and 13 for the second and fourth quarter. That's not really super great at this point. Um, but I think when you look at it, especially coming off that game, you go and you beat Walsh 89 to 64, playing really good, and you're averaging a lot of points against teams, and you're really just keeping it really solid throughout the whole way. So honestly, it's just kind of coming off the break and making sure you can keep that intensity coming up as well. Just the main goal is just starting out hot. If you can come off the bench, especially for a lot of these players, 
that's going to be the main deciding factor for a lot of these games, especially playing Grand Valley later in the year, especially playing Michigan Tech for a revenge loss, and just making sure that we can keep the energy up, especially against the teams that we beat before. Because honestly, the GLIAC right now for women's basketball, it's pretty close. Grand Valley could lose to three, four of these teams. They're number one because GLIAC is the best conference, I'd say, or pretty close to the best conference. I mean, you got the GLVC, GMAC, and all that type of stuff. But you still have a conference that it could be anybody's game. A few bad games from Grand Valley, a few bad games from Michigan Tech. It could be anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at the standings right now, uh, especially for the women's team, I think uh, it, it, you're right. It is wide open. And I think when you look at Grand Valley, I they're up there, right? They're a good team. They could run the table and be number one. That could be expected. But then you got Michigan Tech right behind, who's a really good team. I mean, they're 10 and two, three and one. Obviously, they're, they've been really good year in and year out. They got a lot of leadership this last year, um, as well as Northern Michigan's a solid team as well. And then I would put us right there in that conversation with them as well. So I think you have a lot of promise and a lot of opportunity. Um, and I think that's going to be uh, definitely the the number one thing going in is, are you going to be able to to control your own destiny and win these games and move up into the standings? I think that's going to be the biggest thing because I think we can impose our own will. And I think you look at it statistically, I think that supports that so far. Um, so I think what you need to see for this team moving forward uh, the three-point shot increasing, I think that'll be nothing but beneficial right now. It's sitting at about 34%, which is good, but some of our best successful teams in years past have shot uh, maybe about more towards 38, 39, and I think more importantly, 50% more likely from the field as opposed to 45. I think that'll be a big increase for this team as well. They've done a really good job rebounding uh, in a lot of these crucial games. I think that's going to be something that they're going to really have uh, a great job imposing on, on their own will against some of these good teams, especially some of these physical teams. Uh, as well as creating turnovers, they're averaging almost, it seems like with my math here, I'll obviously do a quick estimate here, but just around nine to 10 uh, forced turnovers a game, which is huge. In that Grace Christian game, we had 22, uh, as well as 56 boards. I mean, that's just absolutely absurd uh, when you put up triple digits as well offensively. That can certainly help. So, uh, but I think when you look overall, you see all the three-point shooting. You see the ability to move in transition. The defensive consistency is great. Now, if they can all elevate those levels of shooting the basketball, if they're going to be able to play defense very strongly and against some of these tougher opponents, I think they have a really good shot. They got the fundamentals there. They have the, they've done a really good job controlling the basketball. They're able to get out and transition. They're liable to run sets. Just being able to consistently run that can over and over lockdown defense, score and transition, or set up a good offensive scheme for an open three-point shot, knocking those down. Of course, that's the hardest part, knocking those down. But when they do start falling, especially as you continue shooting and you improve, especially when we got a home, really a, a really nice homestand, a five-game homestand, really uh, for the start of the new year, including Indianapolis on the 31st, that's going to be a great time to get your shot dialed up. And then you could take that on the road uh, and be able to take on some of these road tests, especially the one later on uh, at the end of the season in late February. I think that'll really come about and you can see a lot of ways that this team can score the basketball and that's just going to make them an even better team. Absolutely. And if you look at the Gleak standing so far, Fluminsight is kind of Basically wide open. It's uh, from the start, from the top of Grand Valley to basically seventh or eighth, seventh or sixth place. You know, it's only two and a half, three games back. So I think right now, especially with the start of the year, you don't see a whole lot of turnover. It's pretty close, but you're going to see a lot of movement very fast when everybody comes back from the break and Gliak play starts back up. A lot of these teams uh, look to be kind of 
pretty even, dead even with each other all the way from Michigan Tech to us. It's a difference between maybe one loss or so. Uh, Grand Valley is running the table, obviously, like I said, but I think you're going to see a lot of turnover and change uh, pretty soon, especially with uh, – Teams going in and kind of improving over the break, as well as teams coming out of the break and really going hard at it. You know what Coach Brian Kelly said, right? What's up? Pretenders play in December, whereas contenders play in March timber. You know what I mean? In March timber. Exactly. <laughs> I just made that up. But yeah, <laughs> that that quote is absolutely ridiculous, yeah. by the way. But I think I bet you I want that's to what, bring yeah, that that's up in the podcast. Basketball. That's and like then, one of those, like you have to slip in a phrase or a word, like in a press conference. You've seen those, right? Yeah. Where they have those coming in in these press conferences. I feel like I had the yeah. need to try to fix that in Speaking there, which of, it did not fix. Rest at in all, peace but, to Coach Leach. I yeah, Coach Leach it was a really big inspiration for football as well. So it's a shame that he had, he, he left a really good legacy. I don't think people realize how much involved he was. The guy was a post game conference legend. He was. Yeah. He he dropped some one liners that were sick. Him and Mike McDaniel could like make a memoir. I mean, it it is just absolutely insane what those two have done together. So uh, I hit my head on the mic. (laughs) Joe Joe was absolutely rattled after getting concussed by a microphone, but it's okay. We're going to keep the show rolling here. Uh, Next sport on deck. We have hockey here. Maybe a little bit more than halfway into the season so far, but certainly, I mean, Joe, this isn't a team that was one in 21 two years ago. Yeah, no shot, man. Not even no close. No shot. Six, five, and one in the conference, eight, eight, and two overall. At the start of the year was a little bit lacking, uh, especially what we saw. We kind of thought, oh, it's going to be kind of more of the same. Maybe we'll get over double digit wins. Who knows? But as the season's gone on, we have won some big games. We have lost some terrible games. But I think when you look at coming out of the break, we're going to be seeing a new team come out of it. And we might go on a run. That's all I'm going to say. Before the break, they went to St. Thomas, lost 7-4 in the first game. Don't know what happened there, but we were able to bounce back 4-2 win, get the split. It's pretty close in the CCHA standings. We do have the GLI coming up, obviously, like I said before. Me and Brandon, as of recording right now, is 12-22-2022. When we release this, it's going to be 2023. Oh, well, whole lot of twos cow. in there. We'll probably whole finish at 2-22, Joe. Yes, sir. Yes, I, yes sir. Uh, but we got Michigan State and another team that we might be playing Michigan Tech or Western Michigan at the Van Andel Arena for the Great Lakes Invitational, which I'll be working, so that's going to be a very fun Ooh, time. But yeah. Coming out of the break, I feel like we're going to have a really solid shot. It's going to be the first time we'll be taking on Lake Superior State on January 13, uh, as well as Michigan Tech and a whole lot of other good teams. Big homestand two weekends in a row. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this team has proven to get points out of every matchup so far. And that's I think huge. That's absolutely huge. I think you're Especially right. Especially in a CCHA like this. Yes, this is a loaded conference when it comes to hockey. I think it's one of the most underrated when it comes to hockey. Maybe not the best, but definitely yeah, one of the most Compared underrated. to last year, it's definitely not the best, but it is definitely one that like is probably the best with contenders like yes. be- between them all. Absolutely. And I think the GLI uh, is going to be a big testament to that. And obviously we'll recap that when we get into next week's episode uh, for the first week of class once again. But I think when you look, I mean, you look at the tables right now as Joe pulled them up on the screen here, Jamie style. I mean, Bemidji <laughs> state right now is on top right now uh, with 25 points, but they're tied to Michigan tech. And I think that must mean Bemidji has the tiebreaker over tech. I think is why I they're above so, yeah. Minnesota state's at 24. And then Bowling Green, who's at was the leader for the longest time, uh, it was at 23, and we're at 20. We're not. 
not too far out, Joe. Yeah, we're only. I mean, we're, we're, a, weekend, we're a weekend sweep away. I don't which know why is, I'm talking this voice, but we're not too far out. <laughs> we're, we're a weekend sweep away. I mean, we were talking about that before when we played, who was it? Bowling Green, I think it was. When if we got a weekend sweep, we would have been like at the top of the table or near it. So it's a, it's a conference that's really wide open. Honestly, if you look at it, between the number one and number six, that's not a whole lot of points away. That's a good solid three weeks of hockey for one team. And I've, two, three weeks kid for another team that might, you know, be the, be the deciding factor. But honestly, it's a, it's a situation where I feel like if we just really buckle down and just get after it, especially coming out of the break, we have two of the hardest teams out of the next, out of the three weeks coming out, Michigan, Michigan tech and Minnesota state. We swept Minnesota state, but you know what? They're going to be coming for a vengeance. Can we do it again? That would be a huge six points. Michigan tech. They're a team that moves a puck around. They travel really well. Yes. So that we might need, be on the fans for that. We need y'all. Will support. we be able to? I don't know. Our school has the worst fan support I feel like I've ever seen. It's got to be, be better. If it's not a football game, you're really not going to see a lot of fans. No. To be straight honest sad. with you, we kind of suck with that. So True. Michigan Tech honestly might have more fans in there. Lake Superior State, they're lower on the table. I think they're last. Only won two games in the conference, three games overall. They're kind of looking like us two years ago. Sweep. Should be a sweep. Sweep. Should be. Has to be. It has to be. Has to be. Will it be? It was the same thing with St. Thomas. It should have been a sweep, but we didn't. Lakers so, are playing pretty solid right now. Yeah, that is true. So we'll we will see. see with that one. But it's just what we need to do is sweep when we should and sneak a, sneak a split. Every game. Every game. Every, every series weekend. we can. Yeah. Every weekend. Yeah. Because if we split with Michigan Tech, you know what that does? It moves us up one and it kind of keeps Michigan Tech in the same spot. Yeah. If we sp- split with Minnesota State, it moves Michigan Tech kind of lower and Minnesota State in a better spot. And we'll be probably above Bowling Green in the next two or three weeks if everything goes to plan. If we get six points against Lake Superior State, you know where that puts us? If everybody else kind of stays the same, we'll probably move above Bowling Green and probably be in the same sp- same spot as Minnesota State. Yeah, that's huge. It would be huge. But that's the thing. We've kind of been struggling with setting up on the offensive side. When we get penalties, they come in bunches. Yep. You've noticed that so far. Yep. Our penalty kill has been really good, yeah. I'd say, which is huge for the program. But the thing is, is how many times can you get a penalty? Yeah, you can go four for four on the penalty kill, but what about a game where you get 10 penalties? Can you go 10 for 10? Can you go nine for 10, kind of hold that down? That's a tough shot. For, that's a tough, tough sled for anybody. So that's the thing is cleaning up the penalties, making sure we get set up in the offensive zone and just playing clean hockey. That's the one thing. When we played against Minnesota State, clean hockey. When we played against, hold up, I got to pull up the, the schedule. When we played against Northern Michigan, first game, clean hockey. Second game, not really. I think we had, what, seven, eight penalties or something like that? Yeah, they had two power crazy. play goals. Second game against Bowling Green, played super solid, was able to bounce back after the 6-0 loss. There was a lot of games where we had this year where we just played really terrible at the start and we played really solid the second game. Or it's really solid the first game, absolutely terrible the second game. So it's just really picking it up there and being able to make sure that from the start to finish of the weekend, Friday to Sunday, we're playing very clean, very solid, and just fast, fair state bowling hockey. Yeah. I think when you said uh, the biggest thing is being able to play clean, uh, I think the number one thing that came to my mind is quality over quantity. And that's something I know we've talked about on the show. And I actually did the math here um, going into the northern, the second Northern Michigan game uh, on the 10th there. And I found, a st- I, I looked through some statistics there and I thought there was some that were just kind of bonkers to me. And I did one where I actually like went out, drew it out and calculated 
our number of shots that we've had and wins and ties as compared to losses. Now, take for granted this is, of course, before um, the three, the last three games to this point, minus the GLI, of course, with Northern Michigan and the two at St. Thomas. We scored 3.2 goals in games we've won or tied, those 10 games. And we've had 1.83 goals in the games that we've lost. So obviously, mm-hmm. the more you score, the more you win. But here's the catch. In the losses, we've had 29.3 shots on net, right? That's not bad. That's pretty solid. In wins, 23.67. That is very low. And the reason why is in those games we've won, we've had better quality looks. It's not the number of looks, right? Well, there's a lot of these teams out Michigan Tech, Minnesota State, Northern Michigan that have offensive firepower through the roof, but they can't afford to take some of those shots. It doesn't, I'm not saying that our team isn't as talented. We got some, one of the most talented teams in the CCHA, but when we're able to use the quality looks for that talent, that is what puts us in contention to beat teams like Minnesota State, beat Michigan Tech earlier in the season, split with Northern Michigan in the last recent homestand. That is what's going to get us up in the tables. And I think you've seen that with prominent play so far this year from a lot of these players. And I think especially, I mean, some of our top goal scorers so far this season, uh, I think you've definitely seen that from a lot of those guys. Stephon Pekorny is a guy that really have fine. When he finds a look, it's always a great mm-hmm. look, uh, especially with Tyler Schleppe. He's been awesome as a freshman. He's got five goals now uh, to overtake. I think he's now the leading freshman uh, with Connor McGrath right behind four. Then obviously you have Brad Merrick, you have Jason Branshaw, you got the leaders of this team as well. Yeah. Slick uh, and all those guys. Yeah, Slick. Who was it that went coast to coast the other day? That would have been Mitch, Mitch Dielstra. Yeah, insane. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's a junior on this team as a forward. He's got three goals on the season. Brad Merrick's the points leader tied with Picorni with 12, as well as Jason Branshaw with 10. But those these freshmen have been contributing. So, mm-hmm. And especially the, the big lines have been uh, doing a really good job. I mean, you look at a lot of these guys like Brendan McLaren right now sitting at uh, plus three is alongside Andy Noel as a freshman is at plus three plus minus right now. I mean, that's ridiculous what they've been able to do uh, on the ice so far. But I think when you look at a lot of these talented players and you still got a lot of those 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 leading leading roles that um, might not be necessarily in the score column uh, year like game in and game out. But there's still there's this quality of contributors. Dallas Tulick's a guy that comes up in big games a lot of the times. Nick Nardiccia provides you uh, a lot of windows passing the puck around. Blake Evanow, Ben Schulteis, especially a lot of those guys as well as Drew Cooper. Uh, I could keep naming names. Brendan McLaren, Antonio Venuto, all these guys, Cade Kowalski as well. They provide those sparks when they need to. And they make a lot of these big plays. And I think that is necessary. You need those glue guys, right? You need those guys controlling the puck. You need these guys shipping it up uh, to find you in open space and get some of your top goal scorers uh, a chance to find good looks and creating that quality look. And we've seen that's improved. I think what's really improved from this year compared to last year uh, is we've been more of a predominant dump and puck chase team. I know me and Joe have talked about this, especially over the last year. Now we feel a lot more comfortable in the offensive zone. The, the really thing is we just now got to find more time to get in the offensive zone. That's really the only thing we have found ourselves comfortable in the offensive zone. Now we just got to find the way to win that, that FIFA style possession battle and keep the puck in our eye. And it's more than 50% exactly. of the game. Right? Yeah. And I mean, too, when you look at it, I pulled up the, the attendance sheet as well, because this is a big thing uh, for our team too. When you look at a lot of these wins and losses and uh, when you look at the attendance numbers, you want to look at W's and a lot of people there because for the past two years, the biggest struggle has been in butts and seats. 
I mean, we sure. saw that. I mean, before we showed up, there was almost a packed house every time. Yeah, we didn't win all the time, the whole the whole bunch, but it was always good hockey to see. You look now, though. I mean, at the start of the year, Michigan Tech, we won with a attendance of eighteen hundred four. The next day, we go. There's about the same amount of people, but we lose, and it kind of just goes down a little bit every time that we that we win. But then when we are sorry, every time that we lose, but then when we win, it starts to climb up. But then when we're nearing that two thousand mark, we just play bad. I mean, look at but. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look at Mercyhurst, eighteen hundred. Look at Bowling Green. Look at all these games where we play really well. It goes from eighteen hundred. We play Bowling Green, a team that we should have beat, because of fourteen hundred. People wanted to come out, and then we play Bowling Green again. It jumps up again. So when we play good, people are understanding that hey, this is when or like people when we play good, people say okay, we can actually come out to this. But when we reach above two thousand. The next game or that game, we play bad. I mean, look at Northern Michigan. We have an L5-2. That's the first time we broke 2,000 in Awoglaven. And then the next game, we'll see what it is, especially when, uh, I mean, obviously it's going to be January 20. Obviously it was the next home game that we have. But yeah. it just seems that every time that we have some sort of momentum going with getting fans in the seats, we just play bad. And then people are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to waste the money on a ticket. I'll just look what happens in the recap. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate because I think – we have a lot of devoted fans out there that just are kind of pseudo fans. I'm not saying like that's a bad thing. We need people supporting Ferris State Bulldogs, and obviously mm-hmm. me and Joe I can are tell you prominent proponents is, of that, and that's why we have the show. I can tell you a main reason what it is. But what is it? I can. It's how bad our student section has become. Well, yeah. Well, and it's not on the student's fault. I mean, if you look at it, I, this is going to be a rant. College, okay, I will say this. College sports in general are not a family environment. Okay, I'll tell you sure. that. It is for college students. That's who you should be marketing your games to and stuff like that. You see it in D1 level and the student section that they have. It's not a PG rated event. You know, they're yelling, they're swearing, doing all this stuff. Like it all you want, hate it all you want. That's just how college students are. They're rowdy. They get after it. It's whatever. Especially with college hockey. If you look at lost and lunatics, if you look at children of Yost, if you look at whatever Mankato student section is called a lot, especially uh, the, I forget what Michigan Texas and what Northern Michigan's student fan base is called, but those teams are ruthless. Yeah. And you know how fun that is to be a part of a fan base that's yelling at the goalie, telling him he sucks, yelling at the players during the pregame, how you're just yelling at them when their names are getting called because nobody cares if they're away. That's what makes a game fun. That's what Ferris State used to be. If you look back in the early 2000s, 2012, when I was a kid and I came to games, ruthless student section. And it was the funnest thing ever. I was 12 years old and I was eating it up. Everybody liked it. Yeah, you might say, oh, this is the worst thing. Kids are, it's going to be a bad influence. It's a college, it's a college game. All right. And you can't really expect anything else. You got rowdy, drunk college kids going to a game. What else more can you expect? And that's the annoying thing about it is that it got changed to the point where you couldn't, you know, have any profanity, which is whatever, but like you can't have any kind of like craziness in the stands anymore. And that's the tough part, especially when you want to be a college kid and you want to go to a game, you want to get a little bit crazy. You want to have some fun with the team. You want to chirp the players, but when you can't and you get for you, you either get kicked out or you get reprimanded for it or something like that, it makes it so it's not as fun anymore. And that's the toughest part. Yeah, I think and that's why we don't have a student section. It's because of how many rules are in place now. Hopefully right. that changes. Yeah, and I can tell. I can tell you a certain president is the main reason why. Oh yeah, well we retired we a couple years. Yeah, ago. we don't have to get into politics, but yes, I, we know what you're saying, Joe. But I think the the biggest thing is the, the teams play better when they have that support. And I think like I'm glad you mentioned because over the the last couple of years prior to this, we had a couple of teams where we we had a losing record, but we had a much stronger fan base, and that just made games crazy. more fun. 
And I think it makes it fun for the players, makes it fun for the people that are enjoying it, uh, they're working it, and all the fans within it. Because obviously you can watch it on TV and you can watch it on full hockey if you want, but you know it's just uh, it pays to have that experience along with it. And I think that's the biggest thing with Engel Glaben is it, it definitely is a special place. Mm-hmm. Might not be the nicest place. Might not be it's the, an, it's the a, most beautiful venue. It's a small one. You but know, yeah, but it's it's intimate, and that's the best thing about having a good st- a student section. Is if you're loud and rowdy, everybody on the ice can hear you. Yes, and that is close to the ice, less people, which means you know more many? opportunity to fill the place for, for everybody. Exactly, and get it for anybody who doesn't know. I every game I go get starters from the opposing coach, and yes. I go give them to Bob Daniels and stuff like that, and vice versa. <clears throat> every time I've gone there, every like I I can count on both hands how many times a coach has said. Man, this place is dead. Yeah. Like, I remember like three, four, five years ago, like this place was rocking. And I was like, you're telling me, man. Yeah. I was like, I remember it too when I was a kid. And like, they're like, this place has kind of gone down. Like what happened? I was just like, people, I mean, one, our student section can't do the things that they did anymore. And two, we're losing. So, I mean, those are two recipes for a disaster. And if you just were to change one of those things, you could see a big change soon. And it's a good one because that's what we need. But to see how many coaches have said to me, a intern, about how bad this place has gotten with the amount of fan support that we have is asinine. Yeah, it's sad. Let's make a New Year's resolution, shall we? Let's get people in the stands, man. Let's do it. I think Let's go crazy. I don't think. I know this team will play better when they have that fan support behind you. The place will be rocking. The energy will be rocking. The fans will make this place crazy and the players will receive off of that because we've seen them play some of their best games in front of the best crowds. Y'all remember Michigan State a year ago. I know they lost the game. Just quit crying about it. That was a year ago. Mm -hmm. We still had some things that we had to figure out as far as superstition-wise to help us lose in the third period. We've figured that out, okay? If you want, go look on all the schedule and results. They will show that that's over. So don't give me that. You The last time we went, we lost. Boo-hoo. It doesn't matter. This team is better. This team will beat some of these great teams, and we've already done it. We swept the number one team in the stinking conference. I don't know what else I have to say to really draw that apart, but yeah. I mean, it's it's it, we need to make Ingle Glavin rocking again. I just, appre- I know exactly I just encourage to everybody to get out and let's do this thing, and let's fill this place so we can get better hockey, we can get our team to the postseason, and let's have a fun time doing it. All I'm saying is half the almost all the workers at the rank are college students. So they don't care what you say. What are they going to do? They can, like they're not going to tell people. Are you to get encouraging out. them to No, to, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying like how like if if you go anywhere, if you go to a, a a hockey game anywhere, if you go to one at St. Cloud, if you go to one at Mankato, if you go to one at Bemidji, Michigan Tech, Western Michigan, Michigan, anywhere you want to go, you will see a student section who is rowdy and is behind the team and makes it so that way it's a good atmosphere to play in for the home team. It gives them the edge. We don't have that edge at home. If, you, if you've noticed, we do not have that edge of fans at home. No. Because we're not loud. Yeah, we cheer for the thing, for the goals and stuff, but I don't hear anybody up in the press box cheering like, let's go Ferris or anything like that. I don't hear chants from the student section at all. I heard maybe one against uh, Northern when a kid like got hit or whatever and they started chanting something. I'm not going to say what it was because it's a little... Is, uh, oh, no, no, PG-13. Yeah, PG-13. But, like, yep. that's the thing. It was cool to see because it was finally like, all right, this is a college student section. This is nice. But I don't know. I've It's just as annoying how how bad the culture has gotten to be where, like, we just don't really have anything going for us anymore. Yeah, we challenged the fan base to pick it up. And Do it. we'll definitely have some great results moving forward. Final sport here. 
of the winter sports preview yeah, indoor no. track and field. Oh, yeah. So we got a great season on deck. I'll tell you what I'm excited as one that's going to be likely uh, covering this team, likely on this show, of course. Joe's a great fan, too. Don't worry. He'll check results. Yes, sir. I, I always bring the inside information on a lot of the results and stuff as well as the venues and all that sort of thing. But I'm excited as a competitor as well because this team definitely is on the way up. I think with the numbers that we've filled um, over this last year, we lost a couple guys that uh, were some key contributors for us last year, obviously, uh, seniors or transfers or whatever. But I think when you look at where this team is at, I think we've really started to build a solid foundation. We saw it in cross country, especially for the distance squad. And I think we've definitely shown that we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of potential to build this thing moving forward. Um, and then you look at all the the early results here from track and field uh, from like the holiday open, for example, we got a lot of freshmen that are ready to compete. we got a couple of transfers that are already ready to compete. They're in the thick of it already. So they're ready to compete right out of the gate. And that just shows me uh, just an absolutely huge amount uh, of confidence of potential for this team overall. And I think with just a lot of the newcomers we have in just got the, the fresh blood, if you will, uh, I think that's going to really shake things up. Cause I think there's a, there's a tradition here uh, too much of like uh, a track and fields, kind of the inferior sport. And I mean, overall in success in comparison to our sports, we might not be a lot or we might not have the same amount, obviously, but we're competing in the top conference in the country. And there's no question about it for running. And it's not even, not even worth questioning at that point for debate or whatever. But I think when you look at where this team is at, this team is, we hadn't lost a lot. We lost a couple contributors, but we've refilled them already with transfers and we've built another great, great, great uh, uh, class of freshmen. I almost wanted to graduate in class. We had a yes, great sir. graduating class, but we have a great freshman class and, and they've been playing really, they've been not playing. They've been running really well. <laughs> they've been jumping really well. And we're starting to fill out those numbers and we're filling those numbers with quality. And I think that's just an absolutely huge part of it that can really bring a sense of urgency in being able to be successful. And I think that really is going to come into fruition here. We got a couple throwers that are back. Bree Copley as well as Emma Stefan are going to be throwing. And they were key contributors for the women's scoring last year as well. Jake Smith is back for throws for uh, for the dogs so far, as well as Kyle Druyard as well. Those guys are going to be uh, really contributing in the throws category. That is open. I mean, there, there was a lot of throws were lost last year, and I think that's going to bring a lot of potential for scoring as well. The sprinting category, we definitely have a couple freshmen that can really uh, develop. They have a lot of high potential, and I think that's going to bring a lot of great, uh, just overall, a lot of great potential overall in that group as well. Uh, so I think you have a lot of those uh, overall contributors. Kennedy Hoos is one for the women's side as well. Uh, for the men's side, you got like Tyrese Beadle as well um, as just one name to mention. But you have a lot of these overall, uh, these freshmen that it'll take some time, obviously, to get used to the, the college indoor environment. Obviously, for me, like a seasoned vet, I know as a freshman, it was definitely hard to get used to, especially not having run indoor track before, let alone running indoor track to getting to a collegiate is a huge step. But you have the ability to adjust. And obviously with the the holiday meets, especially that you have a lot of these uh, chances to grow, a lot of these lessons to learn. Some of them have already done it, like Naya Tyron, as well as uh, Angel Kotecki's already been there. They've both seen they're done it as transfers, former Central Michigan standouts. They're now with us and they competed really well 
uh, in the first meet of the season as well. And I think that really kind of comes to show that the, the women's team can be very deep. The men's team just as deep as well. We got David Duvall and some of those other guys that are jumping as well as Devon Harris. Those guys have been doing really well so far. Uh, but you have a lot of that great consistency all around. And then that core foundation built in cross country with the distance squads, right? We talked a lot about how well successful they are. I can't mention all uh, 45 names from the rosters, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you can just mention all the, the key contributors well, Donis Harris was a scorer last year. He's going to be right in the contention. Dan Hardesty, Noah Griffith, they're going to compete in the mile. A lot of the mid-distance guys, Keith Wilson, Ethan Hamilton, uh, as well as myself, a lot of these other guys, uh, Nathan Alford as well. There's, I can't mention all the names, obviously, because like, obviously it's a, it, it's hard for me. I know I've spent this a lot of time. Joe was like, I would name every single name because they're all key contributors, but obviously I can't because, you know, we can't cover a, uh, an hour's worth of track and field, uh, just because of the nature of all fitting into the show. But uh, I mean, we have so many good, we have so much talent this year. I, I really encourage people to, to keep following us. This team's going to improve. Obviously you might I have seen the results from last year. This team's better. It's astronomically better. I know in the distance department, I know track and field already from some of the results, it's already taken that step. They're in that beginning stages of process to building this team up. And that's going to be great to see. And I think it's just going to be so good to see all these key contributors finally come out and they're going to have these breakout campaigns. And we're going to have all these great meets at Saginaw, these great meets at Grand Valley. And I think it's just going to be a great successful year. I have a lot of, a lot of hopes uh, for all these teams, there's a lot of scoring opportunities on the women's side and distance as well. Sydney Kubiak, Hannah Brock as well. Uh, a lot of these other contributors. I mean, really, as a freshman, we've seen really great things overall from Whitney Farrell as well. So I think you can see all of these names. I could just keep inserting names. Danae Felsposh as well. I could keep listing names on and on. I can get through all of them, but... So much improvement, so much at stake here to build this thing up. And I think we're taking the right step to do it. That makes me happy. And Joe, I need you to talk so I can take a breath for a second. Don't sleep on the dogs is all he's saying. And that's Thank what we're you. really looking forward to. And the best part about indoor track is a precursor to how outdoor is going to go. And I yes. know you guys are going to kill it. It's going to keep on rolling until the end of the year. And I cannot wait to see what you guys do. And I can't wait to see what you do. Brandon, because you're going to kill it. First year that you're actually fully healthy and ready to rock. Oh, Dude, knock on wood now. We saw, <laughs> so, sorry, you're knock good. on wood. Thank but you, we bro. saw what you were able to do in cross-country season. First race of the year, won it. No big deal. True. Yes, sir. So, I'm, hey, it's going to keep on rolling. That's going to keep on going for the Ferris State Bulldogs out in cross-country. And indoor track, outdoor track, don't even matter. Uh, it's going to – wait, what? What do you mean? I, mean? I would love to build off of that. But, yes, I know what you're saying, Joe. Joe's our biggest fan, if you guys don't actually know that. I'm just that guy. He is that guy. He just I'm might the glue not, guy. He might just not be at every meet, but he is following. So, uh, I do. all of my teammates that are listening, uh, make sure that, that you hit show up and you can talk with him about all the results. I'm sure that he knows every one of them memorized to the okay, decimal, I, guess, I really just – I look it over and I kind of do like the recap thing. I'm just like, oh, sick, cool. And as, then, as expected, that's probably what everybody else does. And that's probably what I would do because there's a lot of – numbers and a lot of a lot. when it comes to that so it's gonna well, be I do a really look at the recap year. every time i do appreciate that, Joe. that. joe's a joe's a good analyst joe i got i can't i i'll okay can we spend the last <laughs> three minutes here uh, uh regardless of sports thank you joe for a hey, great no year problem man we have, dude we did it huh? we built this look thing at up. us i know it's the new year look at us i know it's resolution time i know freshman year who would have thought i we definitely built it up to this yeah, I definitely you know wouldn't what? have. I didn't think we'd be rocking out to 60, 70 listeners that episode. I didn't think so. No, I don't no think so shot. You know what? That's what we averaging. Yeah. So sometimes we're more, 
Yes. Some never last, not by a lot. But That's true. We've had triple 60, digits on multiple occasions. We have, yeah. 60, 70. Little yeah. podcast out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, who would have like thought? To see. Definitely not me. That's for sure. I appreciate Joe. I appreciate everybody for making this show possible. Well, I, I appreciate we, you too, Brandon. Yeah, it's been a great ride. Bulldog Radio as well as the new partnerships. This thing's building up. I'm super excited to get more podcasts in here. I know there's a couple already in the works. We'll get those announcements to you as well. You'll probably hear new ad reads as we come through uh, the next year, obviously, as we're recording this in 22. We don't have everything for our new show put into place yet, but... Once you get back for week one and you hit that subscribe button here, that first episode of the new semester, oh my goodness, you guys are going to be so excited. And just remember, this is all because of y'all. It's true facts. It's all because of y'all because we get those followership. We get that numbers up. That is what gets us the new digs, the new mics, the new mixers, everything nice, video streams, advertising, commercials. All this sort of stuff is because of y'all. So I appreciate all of you guys for making this such a great show. It's the most valuable podcast, and we have the most valuable fan base. That is for sure. Y'all the MVP. Let's go. Well, without further ado, take care, everybody. (laughs) 